day of the year, and I want to wish everybody a, a very happy new year. May you have a really great start to the year and a fantastic end uh, when I meet you again. Uh, last, I remember last year, I was, uh, I preached the first message of the year also on the 1st of January, 2017. And I preached about three messages. Uh, the intention was actually for me to end the year with the first message of the year. Trust me, and which is why I'm here. Now, um, we are doing a new series, and if you uh, will just refer to your news bulletin, you will see that the first message is broken to be made whole, and the last two at the back of the bulletin, humbled to be exalted and emptied to be filled. Great titles, right? Great titles. I look forward to the messages to come. Uh, in the last month, in the month of December, we have heard a few sermons. We have heard the gospel acted on stage. We have heard the gospel songs sung on these steps. And of course, we have heard the gospel message preached by pastor. Uh, as I was preparing this sermon, the, the message changed not what I thought it would be. And I believe that uh, as I was waiting on God, this is really the message for you for the first Sunday of the year. I was asking God, what will, must your people do? What do you want them to do? It's not about doing. Uh, you, you will hear about it a bit later. It's not about doing. I just feel that the Lord wants us to listen to the gospel in the, the month of December, we have been preaching to the outsiders, the non-believers. And I just feel that the Lord wants us to listen to the gospel today. That Christians need the gospel too. So, um, Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 50, we see three characters. The host, Simon the Pharisee. The guest, Jesus our Lord, the sinner, a woman unnamed. And uh, just in case you think that uh, this woman who anointed Jesus is the same one who gave a very expensive uh, pint of uh, nut, nut oil to anoint Jesus before his crucifixion, I will tell you that it is different. Uh, don't be overwhelmed, you will get it in the website. I'm just telling you that there are three different accounts. Actually, there are four accounts, but three times a woman anointed Jesus. Uh, in sequence, what we are hearing today is the first. It happened early in the ministry of Jesus, whereas the second account and the third account happened six days before the crucifixion and two days before the crucifixion. Uh, the middle one, the middle account is Mary, the sister of Martha, and she was the one who gave a pound of uh, spiked night oil. Uh, but the one uh, right on the extreme right hand uh, column, the Mark and Matthew passage, was another woman uh, unnamed. And she also gave some very expensive oil. But for today's passage, this woman just brought fragrant oil. No mention that it was expensive. And I'll tell you why. 
because uh, she led a very sinful life, probably very poor, a woman of, uh, uh, of the street, right? Not, not a respectable woman at all. So never mind, let's move on. This is just for an interesting... Um, now, okay, you know, when I was searching for uh, Pharisees, I don't know whether Pharisees really look like that, but everywhere I search, it's always like that, you know, and the movies portray them, portray them, portray them to be like that. And I'll tell you, they, are, they look more intimidating than high court judges. You know, uh, they just so dignified, you know, the way they dress and bearded and black clothes and all that. Uh, these Pharisees are custodians of ancient secrets. They are the keeper of traditions. They are the guardians of the faith. They have very, very strict rules when it comes to living and what they can eat, what they can do, who they can associate with, where they can go, they have to be really pure and they are scrupulous in observing the rules because they are the custodian of ancient secrets, guardians of the faith. They have to be an example for everybody. And that's why it is just um, uh, actually quite surprising that Simon the Pharisee would even invite Jesus. Jesus is not quite, doesn't quite belong to their class. But I'll tell you why. Uh, it is not uncommon for Pharisees to invite teachers, uh, uh, speakers, thinkers to come and debate with them. So they will talk and they will just uh, engage in intellectual, theological talk. And then people will just gather around. You know, this is the, the very respectable thing to do. So Jesus is invited. Now, let's look at uh, the host. Let's try to imagine what happened because the Bible, the passage that we have today, uh, Luke chapter 7, doesn't have a lot of details, but I can infer a lot of details. Uh, for example, uh, in Jesus' time, guests would be received with a kiss on the cheek, right? It's, it's like uh, we shaking hands. Uh, this is common courtesy. This is uh, uh, Middle Eastern courtesy. And uh, then guests, when the, uh, when the guests remove their sandals, the servants will attend to them to wash their feet. This is, again, very, very common. And I'll tell you why. Because they wore sandals, top right-hand corner, they wore sandals like this, and by the time they uh, arrive at the host family, it will be quite dirty, salt, uh, dusty, and so the servants will pour something from the jar, there will be a basin, and then they will wash and there will be a tower. Common. Nothing special. So, Jesus arrives. He didn't get the water. No tower. Jesus went in to greet the host. Didn't get the cheek. The kiss. And then, of course, Jesus just lied down for the food because food is prepared. Could Simon have overlooked this? I want to suggest to you he didn't. I want to suggest to you that Simon was just being rude, being disrespectful because Jesus was not of the same status as the Pharisees. And so he was being snubbed. And this rebuff was intentional calculated to humiliate and embarrass Jesus. Never mind. 
Jesus took that, his guest, and he joined the feast. Then came a woman. Actually, I think there were a lot of people who were gathered there because, again, this is Middle Eastern uh, uh, well, custom at that time when, uh, because they didn't have TV and entertainment. Whenever uh, some important event is happening in some rich man's house, uh, a Pharisee's house, everybody would just gather to watch. They are entitled to do so. This is uh, entertainment, sort of. They would just eavesdrop on the conversation and they would observe who is coming in, who is coming out, what food is served, and it is it's quite entertaining. So many people would be gathered there and this woman arrived. Uh, her vocation is unmistakable because the Bible says so. The Bible says so that she was a sinner and Simon the Pharisee in his thought says, if Jesus knew what manner of life she had. This is who she's touching him, for she's a sinner. So everybody knows. It's not a very big place. She knows she's a, she's a woman of the, of the street. Now, many commentaries say that this woman came to Jesus seeking forgiveness, and she was forgiven then. And I, I have done some research and I'll tell you that I don't think that was the case. She didn't come as a broken woman. I want to suggest to you that this is not, probably not the first time there was an encounter between this woman and Jesus. We have to look at the four Gospels. If you read all the Gospel, and it's called the harmony of the Gospel, you will be able to fit this event at a particular place and time in Jesus' ministry and life, right? And this, this account in Luke chapter 7 appears only once in Luke chapter 7. It's not repeated anywhere else. But you know that it fits right after Matthew eleven twenty-eight, Because the Matthew 20, 11, 28 to 30 passage has something, and the Luke chapter uh, 7 passage has something. It's the same, only that there is this Matthew Chapter, Luke chapter 7, uh, anointing. So we know it happened after Luke chapter eleven twenty eight. 28. What is Luke chapter 11, uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight? 28? I read for you. Jesus made an invitation. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That invitation came before Luke 7. Could she have heard this invitation? Could she have been there? Such a gracious invitation. Come to me, all you who labor. Those words probably communicated, was communicated beautifully, and she was just drawn to God, and she took Jesus at his word, and she went to the Lord, and somehow for the first time, because she was always being, she's treated like a thing to be discarded and used, 
she was so broken and, and so, uh, you know, her self-esteem is just shattered or nothing. And she believed for the first time that God could bring together all the broken pieces. Now, this is what I suggest to you could have happened. So when Jesus came back again in Luke chapter 7 to the, the Pharisee's house for this dinner, she heard about it. She was, and, and she wanted to be there. She didn't go as a broken woman, but she went as a restored woman, forgiven. Let me tell you why I believe this. I tell you, prostitutes were never in a thousand years be invited to the home of a Pharisee. Never. But you say, oh no, he's just like everybody else, gone there, go there to watch. No. It is not safe for people of her kind to be even seen near the home of anybody religious. Why go there? And then people will talk and then to incur the shame of judgmental stares and and the whispers, contemptuous whispers. Just imagine, okay, somebody just got out of prison, uh, 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 drugs, gangs, uh, tattoos. I mean, he can hide his tattoo with long sleeve, but he cannot hide the tattoos in his neck here. And his hair is of a different colour. The dressing is not like ours. You, you think that they would just feel very comfortable and safe and just walk into the church and sit with church people? Of course not. You so you see, if she were not restored and made whole, she were not a person who has been redeemed by the Lord, she would not be near to a place like a religious leader's home. She would avoid this place rather than take the risk of insult, contempt, glass, whispers. But she went. She went as a whole person, restored and forgiven. This is just my suggestion to you. Now, I'll give you another reason why I believe that the Lord had given back her destiny and she was restored and she didn't go in shame. I'll give you another reason. I read 59 versions of Luke chapter 7. And just in case you are now very impressed with me, I tell you, you just have to go to the website and click all versions. <laughs> you just, it's very easy, really. And in quite a few of these versions, the word is... Oh, sorry. I just want to show you this, that, that uh, they would sit like that, right? So that the leg would be sticking out and they'd just be leaning and uh, quite near the table. And this is, this is what would happen after the feet is washed, or in this case, unwashed. Out of the 59 versions of Luke chapter 7.48, a few of these versions have this. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. But some versions are forgiven. So of course I had to check the Greek and in case you are impressed again, actually it's possible to just crack Greek and it will appear. Alright? And so, uh, in the Greek, the commentary says this, this word refers to forgiveness taken place and not now for the first time. 
So you see why I believe that there could have been a first encounter and at the first encounter, she took Jesus, word, Jesus at His word and He went forward and she was forgiven, she was restored and now she came back with dignity, no more shame. Just to catch a moment with the Saviour, maybe, I, I don't think that she meant to just intrude, go in and draw attention to herself. I, I don't think it was like that. She just wanted to wait for a moment and the crowd would thin out, the guests would, uh, would leave, everybody would, uh, would go home. And then to catch an appropriate moment to have a word with the Master, maybe it was like that. So, the Bible recorded for us this. And behold, a woman in the city, verse 37, who was a sinner, knew that Jesus sat at the table of the Pharisee's house brought in an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. Verse 38, and stood at his feet. Now, you got to look at this. Everybody would be lying down, reclining. The rest would be observing, standing. And she stood at the feet of Jesus. She stood, the Lord reclining. What did she see? This woman then started to cry. What did she see? Perhaps her heart broke. Perhaps her heart broke when she saw these dirty feet. How can the host Dishonor the feet of our Lord. Can't he see that the feet are salt? How can Simon the Pharisee leave the Lord's feet dirty? How can a guest be accorded with so little honor? And she was probably thinking, Sir, if you are not doing it, I am. And so her heart broke and she just went forward. But she, she went unprepared, of course, without a pail, without water, without a towel. And she just went forward and she, she started to cry. I, I think cry, crying quite a bit. And of course, there was not enough water, so she just took out the oil and, and she just had to clean it. And, and she didn't have a towel, so she had to improvise and quickly un, uh, loosen her hair and, and she just wiped the Lord's feet with it. Quickly the Lord would not have been like, continue eating and talking. I think the Lord paused. Everybody paused. Everybody was looking at her because it was just unacceptable for a woman to be smoothing the feet of a man. And, you know, and th this is unacceptable. This is, this is what you do in the bedroom for your husband. So everybody was just disgusted, especially Simon the Pharisee. This is unacceptable, there was contempt, she was reviled and disdainful of her and in the thought she was just condemning her in my house, this woman and the Lord would just have looked at her and the Lord probably gave her, you know, his face probably radiated uh, with acceptance and delight and affection, that's why she dared to continue to finish what she needs to do. Maybe there was a warm smile 
but anyway, it didn't care because the Lord accepted her, uh, accepted this beautiful gesture. And so, so she continued. The Lord knew the thoughts of Simon the Pharisee and the Lord had to now uh, speak up for her. And what happened? Of course, you've got to tell it in the form of a parable because uh, the story is meant for Simon. He must agree with the story first that you're right. You say so. So the story is like this. You know, there were two guys who, who owed the bank money, one 50, one 500 denarii. So one owed five, you know, 10 times more than the other one. And they had no money to pay and what they owe. And the banker told the both of them, ah, oh, you don't have to pay. You did not have to pay. And, and so Jesus asked, uh, no, Simon, um, which person will love the banker more? So Simon the Pharisee answered, well, I think it would be the one who owed the most money. Jesus said to Simon, you are right. Jesus turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Simon, do you, do you see this woman? When I came into your house, you gave me no water for my feet. She washed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss of greeting, but she has been kissing my feet since I came in. You did not put oil on my head. She poured perfume on my feet. I tell you, I'll tell you, her many sins are forgiven. That's why she showed great love. But a person who is forgiven only a little will love only a little. Now, I know that at this point, you would be a little troubled by this verse, as I was. Uh, Jesus is saying, love, in this case, is the result of forgiveness. Jesus is saying, larger debt, more forgiveness, result in greater love. Right? It seems like that. So, what where does it leave people like us? You know, we are, we are not prostitutes, we are not immoral, we are not gamblers, swindlers, we, we don't gamble, we don't drink, and basically quite good people, you know, the Simon type. And, and uh, can you fault me for my lesser love? I mean, I, I was just thinking whether I would do that for, for Jesus, you know, I, I think probably not. My lesser love is because I have fewer sins and therefore I was forgiven less. So, in other words, can we have greater love without greater sin? Right, that's another way of putting it. Well, uh, let me then stop here and explain very clearly that we can reach a wrong conclusion if we have the wrong assumptions. I want to suggest or I tell you that when Jesus said these words, it was meant for her, in her case, because of her sinful past, that grace of forgiveness resulted in love that was a 
But, but it cannot be that every time you see gratefulness and thanksgiving, you conclude he was forgiven or not. Must be cannot. It's illogical because gratefulness and thanks and everything come to us through different graces and we will still express our love in different ways, in, uh, but, but it is still grace received that stimulates love, that awakens love, right? So, uh, let, let, let me put it another way for you. Let's say, using the same parable, 50 denarii and 500 denarii. The person with 50 denarii has 50 sins. Can I say that it was because of God's sanctifying grace, protective grace, that has kept this 50 denarii sin man from committing 450 more? I speak from experience. You know, when I was in, uh, went for army trips, I went to the uh, ROC four times. When pornographic material is uh, just at the, at the, Television, television. I mean, just on it and you will have it. And uh, the temptation was there and then it would not work. Grace, sanctifying grace. And uh, sometimes I've heard of, of friends who uh, went on, uh, on, on this business trip who were under pressure to, uh, to go for these dinners and we know what happens after dinner and he would be so ill that night that he had to go home early. Grace! 450 times the Lord kept him from sinning, which is why he only was guilty of 50 sins. Can or not? Can what? I mean, let's be imaginative. This is also grace. And I... I want to tell you that this, this very short parable is actually for us. This is a parable about grace and we, the 50 denarii people, need to understand this. Actually, there are many, many parables on grace. You know that, right? And every grace parable makes no economic sense because... Uh, that is not the Lord's intent. God dispenses grace, not wages. So He doesn't calculate and you cannot work for it. It's not by merit or effort. We, we the 15 denarii people, we, the Christians, not the outsiders, we talk about grace, but I think we don't really understand and appreciate grace. Of course, we, we understand it intellectually here. Uh, Ephesians uh, 2.8, I'm saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God, not my own doing, so that no one would, would boast. Intellectually here. We understand this. But from kindergarten until now, we have been schooled in another world, the world of ungrace. And I'll tell you what you have been taught. The early bird catches the worm. No pain, no gain. There is no such thing as a free lunch. Get what you pay for. I work for what I earn. You know the rules and you live by them. Know your rights. Get your entitlement. And so, this is the real world. You have to prove 
You have to distinguish. You have to impress. You have to be recognized. So by instinct, we, the 50 denarii people, the good ones, by instinct, we always feel that we need to do something in order to be accepted. And so we are determined. So we are driven, we are competent, we are independent, we are productive, we are creative, uh, and, and we are really fairly sufficient. If, if, I may, if I may add, we are coping fairly well. And, in, and yeah. So as a result, grace goes unnoticed and grace is unrecognized. We work obsessively to please people. We also work hard to please God. We carry it into the faith, which is why I tell you, what's a lot impressed upon me, today you preach to them. You need the gospel. And then, you know, I'll, I'll tell you uh, very frankly that sometimes when I don't, when things don't turn out my way, for example, when uh, uh, urgent prayer is not answered, I'll say, oh no, it's because I'm deserving of God's attention today. You know, I, I have this kind of thoughts that it was probably something I did and I would just go on confessing God, I, please restore to me grace because, you know, it's, it's something me, right? It's me, right? It's me, yeah. And sometimes when things don't turn out right and it's not smooth and I just feel, I, I, I really feel that God is not pleased with me. And the reason, this is the reason why so many of us here are just weighed down by a sense of unworthiness and I have uh, spoken to Christians who are backslidden uh, and I invited them to come back to the Lord of Grace to receive forgiveness. No, la, I didn't, cannot. No, la. You, you pray, la, you pray. No, yeah. They don't even have the confidence to come before God because of a deep sense of unworthiness that they have failed God so much. Cannot, la. How can God, how can it be so easy, you know, that God would just forgive, accept, love, and, and just treat me uh, no different from you, cannot. Lah. And so, our self-image continues to be dependent on the kind of messages we receive from people, and we continue to have a sense of unworthiness to approach God. One day when I was uh, this this Friday, I had to meet a client who just came back from the States to do a piece of legal work. And he, we exchanged greetings and he asked me, how is the year? How was the year? How is the year going to be like? And I said, I'm going to preach on Sunday and I appreciate it. I will appreciate it if you can pray for me. And then we started on a, on a spiritual conversation. And then he just, he just spoke to me that, you know, Edwin, the Bible says in Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have each turned our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We all have wandered away like sheep. Each of us has gone his own way. And Jesus said, when he saw the crowd, he felt sorry for them because they were hurting and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And my friend told me, you know, there are we are two-legged sheep and there are, there are different kinds of sheep. 
the big ones and the skinny ones, the strong and the weak ones, the rebellious ones, the compliant ones, the aggressive ones, the timid ones, smart, and some are not. But you know what all sheep have in common? They are so dumb, they just need a shepherd. Do you know why the Lord did not say, all we like horses, all we like cattle, but all we like sheep? Because sheep needs a shepherd. And we are equally, we are not equally broke, but we are all broke. And sheep we are, and all sheep needs a shepherd. So when it comes to God's grace, we equally need God's grace. That, that is the, the, the gist of the parable. Nobody can influence God's love. Nobody is more deserving or more worthy of God's grace or love. Nobody is more qualified or disqualified. Everybody just needs a shepherd. And I tell you that love, grace is life transforming. Life. And the greater awareness you have of God's grace, the more powerful will your response be to God's grace. Which is why, you know, we really need the gospel. We really need to understand who is God, who we are, what we don't have, what He can give up. I'll give an example. Okay, I'll tell you a story now. I, uh, I think it's because I'm a donor to St. Luke's that I get all this newsletter, but you can ask for them. Uh, it's called The Touch of Grace, St. Luke's Hospital. This is the June issue, June 2017. And uh, you will see from the bottom here, caregivers issue. I will, I'm very, very interested in this because all the stories here are about uh, how caregivers cope, how caregivers give. I'm particularly intrigued, very interested in this one. And I'll, I'll show you now what this is. This is a story of they call her the superwoman, Madam Chu Achu and Mr. Chu Leong Huat. Let me tell you, let me just summarize. Uh, Madam Chu, the younger sister, works four days a week and half a day because uh, she needs to help to manage the needs of uh, this older 80-year-old brother. And looking after means what? Uh, his daily expenses, medical bills, accompanying him for all medical appointments, rehabilitation sessions, which happens three times a week. And this happens at St. Luke's Elder Care in Tolo Blanga. Additionally, she supports her sister-in-law, Madam Chu's, uh, Mr. Chu's wife, who is now very frail because she's about that age too. Madam Chu will even participate in the rehabilitation sessions because she needs to watch explain to the brother what's happening, help him to understand, and when they go home, she will supervise him. And then give a report back to the therapist uh, uh, at the next session. So she, she was doing all that. I mean, this is a very engaged caregiver. And uh, when, there was once when the brother fell, she investigated into the reason why she fell, and she discovered that actually the walking frame uh, that he was using was not suitable, so she procured a new one. And then whenever uh, the sister-in-law is sick and she has to be at home to look after the sister she will arrange for somebody to look after her, after the brother, 
And so she's a master scheduler as well, and then working and supervising, providing, taking care of. And so, of course, people were very, very amazed by her and called her the superwoman. And uh, what, what this uh, does uh, to the brother, Mr. Chu, was that they realized that Mr. Chu is very uplifted. This brother is cheerful, very motivated, and will, will cooperate. And then as a result of this pair, sister and brother pair, people, the positive energy is now rubbing on the other seniors in the centre and it has spurred their cheerfulness. So then the interviewer of this article want to uh, talk to her and ask her, how do you balance all this life's responsibility with such grace and cheerfulness? Where do you draw your strength from? Where, where do you get your resources from? You want to know the res- uh, her reply? Madam Chu said, the middle portion, it is from a gratitude for a lifetime of blessing received as an adoptee to the family. Ha! Ah, she was adopted to the Chu family. This is even more amazing. She's not even looking after her natural brother, but an adopted brother, an adopted brother's wife. But why? Why is she doing this? Gratitude for a lifetime of blessing received. Something happened from her childhood and all through the years. Maybe the Chu family showed her so much grace and treated her just like a natural-born daughter and treated her so well that she was just overwhelmed I'm Chadopti, and you treat me like this. And now that the parents have died, love is awakened. It doesn't matter that you are my adopted brother. You are my brother. I am family. And so, you know, I, 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 I like this story because, brothers and sisters, this is a human being, a 69-year-old woman, and she's doing this do you believe me that God's grace and love is much deeper than hers? Much higher than hers? Much wider than hers? Much bigger than hers? Do you believe that? That God's grace is the deep end of the ocean. This grace is five meters deep near the shore. Imagine what God is prepared to deposit in you. And so you can understand why Paul said these words. John, uh, sorry, it's John. John who said this. First John 4, 7 to 19. Dear friends, love comes from God. This is love. It's, it's not that we love God, but He loved us. And, and Madam Chu will tell you, no, no, no. It's, it's not that I really love them. You don't understand they love me. That, that's why I'm doing this. Love is from God. It, it flowed through me. I, I'm, I feel that that's why I'm pouring out. And so John said, this is love. Not that we love God. God loves us. That's why we can do this. And so we know and rely on the love of God that God has, has for us because it's continually being poured out to us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is how we, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. 
in this world, we will be like Jesus because now God lives in us. Not only is love poured out in us, God lives in us, God's love is expressed in us, and we love because He first loved us. So, Paul then said this grand prayer, you know, Paul said that, if I have, if there is a priority for me as an apostle and the leader of the church, this will be it. I'm praying for all of you now. The Ephesians church and everywhere. Read this. This is the prayer. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, God's love, may have the power together with all the holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and that you will know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you will be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And then he just couldn't take it anymore. He just broke out in doxology. Oh, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is working on. Hallelujah. He just, he just broke into a song, you know. You can understand, right, why he prayed like this. For us Christians, you 50 denarii people, we need the gospel, not the outsiders. I mean, they need it too, but we need it. We, we need it now. Still, we need the gospel. Good. Keeping good time. Now, I think that this is what grace does to us. Grace awakens love. And when we are overwhelmed with grace, we will express it in gratitude, worship, and thanksgiving, which is, now you understand, right, why the, that woman went to the house of Simon the Pharisee and just, <laughs> I don't care what people think, I'm just going to just love my Lord. And I've seen it before. I've seen it in healing services in other churches where uh, people come in broken wheelchair and, and maybe, uh, I mean, just not well. I, I've seen them after being prayed for and they heal. They just leap out and they, they, they give a, a cry. And then they will just, they will lift their hands and uh, they will just, uh, you know, everybody. Uh, they can't contain it. It's just so full of gratefulness. It's, it just has to be expressed in the most exuberant, un, in, in, uh, in, in, not, not in a uh, restrained way, you know. It's, it's just exuberant uninhibited, the word I want to use. <laughs> and, but I, I tell you, Christians, my fellow church members, even though grace comes to us readily and daily, I think we don't recognize it. And because we don't recognize it, we have not been responding to God's grace. We have not learned to accept it, so we have not enjoyed it. Grace is received when we put, when we don't put it aside. Grace is received when we take it. Grace is received when the flesh is put aside. All we like sheep. Come. Matthew 11, come. 
all you who are weary and heavy laden, come, I'll give you rest. I'm gentle. I'm kind. Come. You know, um, if there is a really, really great man who can really boast, it will be this man, Paul, right? <laughs> you know? Paul said that, I really, I'm not boasting, I really have reasons to boast. I have reasons for confidence. Listen to me. Verse 5, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. I was from the tribe of Benjamin. I was I am a Hebrew of Hebrews with regards to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, I was faultless. I really, no kidding you, I really have reasons to boast and have confidence in the flesh. But since I knew grace, and I recognize grace, and I realize I need grace, and I have received grace, realize, what is 50 denarii? I'm still broke. And so whatever were gains to me, I now acknowledge that I'm broke. I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish. Grace awakens love. And when we recognize that we are broke, and that we can achieve nothing in the flesh, we just cling on to the Lord, which is actually the gospel. That is the gist of the gospel. Christ and Christ alone. Preach it to yourself, man. Preach it. You need the gospel. And I want to tell you a beautiful story because we have time. You know, uh, on the 30th of December, I had my final mentoring session with Hunting and Shaving. Just made it. <laughs> I didn't meet them very often. But I just want to <laughs> make sure I have enough to report to Shaving. So I, I said, we got to meet before the end of the year. We got to meet. So they said, no, we have this. We got to meet them for lunch. <laughs> so they, they met me. So I heard that Hunting when for a diving course in Dioman or something like that. <laughs> Learning? Yeah, because um, uh, because she thinks it's a diver. So she learned it for her. So anyway, after learning the diving thing, they went to the Maldives. And I said, oh, I've also been. I, I went to Tioman and I, I've done some snorkeling. And oh, it's very, very nice. And, but I'm not a strong swimmer, so I, I stayed quite close to the boat just swam around the boat and uh, quite near the shore. I said, oh, no, 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 hunting. Was like, no, 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 no. Uh, so how, how far do you all go? 15, 20 meters. Oh, there, there, there. You got to have all this equipment and gas tank. Yes. That's so dangerous. I mean, it's so far. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. The water's there. But you know, actually, at, at five meters deep, the shore is very, very beautiful. I can see... No, 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 no. At further out, you see the big fish and the sea life is totally different, they said. And then I understand that 
Oh, this is grace. <laughs> there is grace, and there is grace, you know. And so that prayer of Paul, I pray that you will know the height, the depth, the breadth, and you will the surpassing the you. I don't know what you you don't have, okay, that I'm enjoying now, but I pray that you will get it. So, so hunting, because of, <laughs> he just learned diving, so he's out into 15 meters. Uh. But okay, now, now the story, yeah. My God, I, no, no, no it's, it's connected. It's, it's, it's not a, it's connected. Okay, so what happened was this, I went for a preaching course uh, last year. Uh, Michael Reiter was, Michael uh, Reiter uh, was the teacher. Michael Reiter was at one time the principal of the Melbourne Theological College. And when he was principal, he said that there was a, a staff, a rather uh, junior staff, so, you know, lowly paid staff, who uh, worked for them and had to commute one and a half hours uh, from home because they live in the suburbs and commute uh, one and a half hours back. So it's a lot, a lot of travel. And uh, he owned a very old car. So this car was giving problems from time to time and it happened again, it broke down. So he, he brought it to a mechanic and the mechanic said, well, uh, you and I know this, right? I can fix it. I know what's happened. I, I, I know what's wrong with it. I can fix it for $1,000. But you, you and I know, right? This is a very old car. And I don't know when you're going to come back to see me again for another problem and th there'll be no end. So I, I leave it to you. I, I'm not cheating you. I'm, I'm telling you. He had no choice. He really needs to fix it. He can't buy a new car. Uh, uh, by the way, he has uh, four children and they were all young. He's so breadwinner. So he went to the principal and uh, told the principal the problem and said, that, well, um, i really like to have a loan in view of this situation. That put Michael Reiter in a very difficult position because there is the policy that employees and employers should never be in the creditor-debtor relationship. So it's against the, the policy of the, of the college. Uh, but he didn't have the heart to say, ah, no, sorry. Yeah, he didn't have the heart to say that. So he said, uh, well, well, let's talk about it tomorrow. Right? So he went back to the office. He, he typed an email to the faculty staff and explained the situation of this man. And you know him and this and that. And the car broke down. And if you feel led by the spirit to uh, give him something, just uh, put the gift on my table and uh, I'll just hand it over to him. So maybe, maybe Michael Reiter was uh, expecting some, everybody uh, offer something because he only needed a thousand dollars. It cannot be a loan, so maybe uh, give him a thousand, you know. And then uh, the man walked in the next morning and he told the man, I, I'm very sorry, I got bad news for you. I, we really can't give you the loan. It's, it's against the policy of the college. Uh, but I, I do have good news for you. We have made a collection from the faculty staff and uh, this is the money that... Uh, I think you can use. You know what he was expecting, right? Maybe a collection for $1,000. Maybe a loan? No, no. And so not a loan, it was a gift. So he's very, very grateful already. He opened up the envelope. It was $7,000 Aussie dollars. Now, I went to the internet to check. Can you buy a car for $7,000? Yes, you can. A 10-year-old, uh, 12-year-old car, uh, Japanese. You can, get, you can get a car for, for $7,000. And I'm sure it's much better than the beaten-up car that he was driving. And... He was over, he teared. Before the principal, he just teared. And then later on in the night, he went home and he wrote a very long letter to all the faculty members and say, expressing his feeling, it's a very long email according to Michael Reiter, 
expressing how they, they as a couple is so overwhelmed by the grace and the love from so many people who cared to raise so much in one day for him to get a car. Who am I? I am just a lowly paid staff in the college, not the principal. He was overwhelmed. And Michael Reiter said this, what if we swim a little bit deeper into the sea of grace? Let's say that it was not a loan of a thousand. Of course, he would be very grateful. Not a gift of a thousand, even more grateful. A gift of 7,000, oh, very grateful. What if the principal said that I have two homes in Melbourne, we are living in one now, there is an apartment that we can spare. I've discussed with my wife, uh, your family can move on, move into this Melbourne condo that we own, it's not used, no need to pay rent, you can use it free of charge, it's quite near the college, just a short bus ride, use it. What do you think this man how do you think this man would respond? House free of charge condo in Melbourne City? Let's say it's not like that. Let's say it is a little bit deeper into the sea of grace. Let's say that this man has a kidney problem and he needs to start dialysis very, very soon. And it is very expensive. Expensive not only in this to the health and to the money, but time, how can he work, how can he be, continue to work like normal? And the faculty members met and gave him a note to say, don't worry, man, we have met and we have agreed that at the earliest opportunity, we will go to the hospital for a tissue match and whoever's, uh, whoever has uh, the correct tissue match we will give you the kidney. Imagine how deep this man is now in the sea of grace. Imagine if he received an offer like that, not relatives, just colleagues from colleagues. What kind of love will be awakened? What kind of gratitude will come out? How grateful and thankful he will be. You see, we got to go deep. And Jesus said, I want you to go deep. You have no idea. No eyes have seen, no ears have heard what the Lord is prepared to do for you 50 Dinari people. No idea, man. You don't recognize grace, so you don't receive grace, so you don't respond in grace. And so when I was preparing this sermon, I said, oh God, Awaken my love. Let me receive grace. Let me see it and recognize it. And let me notice it. So immediately. Like, so now my, my, my thinking is very different already, right? Uh, it's, it's just, uh, this is just uh, 2nd of January, right? Uh, I was expecting gifts and uh, some people couldn't give me for Christmas and all that. So very natural. Well, hey, I want to see you. Maybe there'll be a gift. And so a friend came and said, ah, this is the gift for your Christmas and birthday and, uh, and then he dished out, and oh, thank you. Then we talked about holidays and all that. And Edwin, I, actually, I have another gift for you, but actually, it's not meant for you. I'll, I'll be honest, it was, um, I bought it for my nephew. So here it is, separately wrapped, different wrapping paper. 
He said that, you know, very strange. I bought it from my nephew, Nat. Nathaniel, Nat. And the whole time, I got this impression, give it to everyone. It's very strange. I bought you the gifts, wrapped. This is not for you. And the impression is, give it to everyone. Give it to everyone. So up to today, the impression is the same. Give it to everyone. So, oh, can I open it now? So I opened it. It was a very nice sweater. And I put it on straight away. It was a perfect fit. And, and she, she said this, Ah, now I know why the Lord wants me to give it to you. If it's a perfect fit for you, it's too small for my 13-year-old nephew. I, I don't know whether she was insulting me, <laughs> but it's too small for my nephew, 13-year-old nephew. You know, but I, I didn't feel insulted. I felt, I felt loved, you know. I recognized Grace. You mean at the time when she was shopping for the nephew and she picked up the item, you were thinking of me, God? You were thinking of me? This is grace. Thank you, God. And then, there were other, I've got five or six, but of course we don't have time now, of, of grace, 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 right? People were, were texting me and I was, I could use this, oh, I could use it as a sermon. One day I just woke up and then I was just, I, I need materials, I need to, I need to fertilize this soil here so that I can think for this sermon and I just went and I, I just picked up a book that I didn't, I, I, actually I, I, I picked up and put back the book 10 times at least, I just couldn't finish the book. It's just not my kind of book. I just picked up the book and I flipped hey, there is a chapter there that is so relevant to this message. And I just read it and it was very helpful. Grace. Why would I go back to that book uh, on the top of the shelf and suddenly in the morning just picked up the book? Grace. If you recognized it, you will receive it and you will respond to it. And then on Friday, a client returned from USA and I wanted to meet him for in December. She couldn't and then she came and we discussed and, and talked about the year and we exchanged greetings and all that. And I talked about my sermon that, uh, you know, you're a spiritual man, pray for me. And I went to the And so then she, he shared a few things with me that I thought were good thoughts for today's sermon. What is it? Grace. And then she always, he always carries a book with him. He's a reader. And uh, I, 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 I think I want to give you this book. Said, no, 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 this is your book, I can buy it. No, 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 just take the book. So I was very distracted. He buys a good book. So I just read and this is a very good book. Grace. Every day in so many ways. And the Lord wants to tell you, please don't feel unworthy to approach me. Don't feel dirty lousy, undeserved. All you like sheep, you, you need a shepherd. Come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, come. And today, just on a taxi, I received a text from another friend. And I don't know why, I, again, I thought it was very relevant uh, because my, my thoughts are now on grace. Uh, this, he, he just texted me a story of, you know, and this, this, boy who had this uh, the basket with fish and loaves and, and then he went to Jesus and then he, he bowed it and Jesus said bring him to me come because from his from what he 
weak, small, nobody, you know, he, nobody can be weaker than a little boy or nobody, nameless person. Bring him to me from what he has. There will be a miracle. Come to me. And with three minutes left to 1 p.m., there was a man, this guy called Philip Yancy. You know him? He wrote a book, What's So, so Amazing About Grace. He said that uh, his church in San Antonio, Texas, uh, every year they would uh, pack gifts for a church. And this church is in El Sunza, in uh, El Salvador. Uh, the wealthiest people in that village makes 50 US dollars a month. So you know, uh, it's a very, very, very poor village. And uh, so they adopted this village. And once a year, the gifts will arrive and there will be um, you know, a lot of excitement. But what the kids really like was in this package, with nicely wrapped and, and ribbon and all that, there is always a note. They, they encourage the San Antonio church people to write a note for every kid. So there will be a long line of people waiting for the interpreter to, to interpret the notes. You know why? Because they say that, why, why would people in America so far away be interested in me? What did they say? What, what are they saying to me? And, and they were very interested. Some, some of these kids would put the note in their pillow and they would sleep with it. But anyway, some of the kids, uh, this, he was very surprised that some of the kids will not uh, even know uh, that they should open the gift because they get hand-me-down gifts and handmade gifts that when it comes in the package so beautifully wrapped with ribbons, they think that this is it. And they will bring home the gift and, and this is the gift. And they had to be taught to open the gift because they are really so poor in this small village. And then Philip Yancy said that, you know, you people, two-legged sheep, you are just the same. All of you have not unpacked my presence, my presence that comes to you every day. You you enter your world and, and you just do your own thing. Occasionally, a little prayer. And then occasionally, a thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank God for this. But actually, we are managing our lives quite well. <laughs> and we are not conscious of grace. We don't recognize grace. We don't receive grace. That's why we are not thankful for grace, which is why the emotion that comes out having been forgiven little, is, is so little. Uh. I'm not condemning you, friends. I'm just telling you that I'm, I'm a sheep like you. And Jesus said, look here, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears me calling, open the door. I will come in and we will share a meal as friends. Revelation 3.20 you think that verse is for non-Christians, the outsiders? It was for the Ephesians church who had forsaken, who had lost their first love. They started great. And then after that, they forgot about grace. And so God said, how about inviting me in again? If anyone is thirsty, let him come. John 
737. And so I'll just end this uh, story like this. That our greater, the greater our awareness of God's presence and, and the deeper the experience of God's love, the greater our response in gratitude. So what, is, what does God want for 2018? What must we do? Actually, no. It's, it's, this is not a doing message, which is why I don't have three points for you. This is an invitation message, not my invitation. I, I hear the invitation from the shepherd, the, the, the Lord who is knocking on our door, and I, He tells me to tell you, if you open the door, I'm going to come in. And out of this inexhaustible source of love, we will live a life of love. We will be motivated to love like Madam Chu because he loved us and, and understand this love. Therefore, I can to know and believe in God's vast, boundless, extravagant love and grace and to, to know this, 1 John 4, 7-19, to 19, this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. And I want to end with a gospel song that we always sing to the outsiders, hoping that their hearts will be stirred and they will respond when we sing this song. But I want this to be sung so that you will respond to this gospel song. Musician. And for Connie, the song means that we have received a gift. And if this gift is not accepted, what is the use of this gift? The gift is given for you. No one can get this gift. It is meant for you. Time is short. Opportunities were passed. If you don't receive this gift, then it will be lost. Something like that. Lah. Okay. Beautiful. Let's, let's rise because I think uh, it will be adopt a posture of worship if you like. The Lord will receive your worship and your love. Come as you are, all you sheep. Two-legged sheep. Let's sing this. We'll sing both stanzas.
to us again. I know, Lord, that this is your personal word for us in 2018, and this is the way you want us to live. Before we do anything for you, you want us to know you, to love you, to receive the grace that you have prepared for us every day. And God, we want to come to you again, to open the door, to let you in, and to have you sup with us. Help us, Father, to keep this spiritual diary of, of daily graces. Help us to recognize it, to record it, to, re- to know it's you and give us the grace to respond in a way that will please you. Thank you, Father, that you are involved in every detail of our lives, such as the knowledge of God. And God, we know that you will not fail us. Thank you, God, for your grace, your amazing grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Wait, 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 wait,
Can only bow. 
So I will open up my heart and let the healing set me free. I'm happy to be ministering. So I will daily lift my hands and I will always sing when your love came down. I could sing. foolishness I know but when the world is seen the light they will dance with joy
Yes, check me, check one, two. Test, test, check, 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 check.
Test. Let me check one, two.
God. Now, okay, ready? Okay, bass. The bass, the the connection need to find the sweet spot. Mike, test, 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 I can't hear myself here. My vocal, ah, I can only hear on the house.
Okay, welcome Eunice. Need your help to sing. Uh. We try the this this flow is good uh. this pace we maintain uh. Uh, I don't want to go too fast. I can we try the intro to song one again? Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. So the intro will be similar to what we played just now. Uh. So like four chords times two. Uh. Then we come in Hosanna, Hosanna. Stick start, uh, okay, we try, uh. Again, Lord, we lift up your name.
the roll in, ah. Bang, crown him king, the the of kings, right? Where? So we pick up the pace a bit, huh? From one to two, ah. Because the one we're gonna slow down the very, very slow. Lord, we lift up your name. So song two must come in a bit faster, lah. We try the connection from one to two, ah.
Eunice, I think you are. Can you speak? Hello. You can hear yourself, right? Yeah, I can hear myself. Why? You cannot hear me? No, can, can, can. Eunice is on A gate, I think. Yeah. <coughs> okay. Can you hear us? Can you hear? Yeah, I can hear. Yeah. Can. It's okay. Before we continue, let's just pray. Father, we just thank you again for a new year. Uh, even as we have just entered into the new year, we look back on the year that has passed and we just really just want to thank you. Looking back at the year uh, in work, times with our families and friends, we can really count our blessings. And even though there may be difficult times, Lord, we acknowledge that you have also seen us through them. 
So God, even for this year, we look to you for the same, to guide us, to lead us through, to help us in times of need, and also to remind us that you are always there. You are constantly there for us in all that we do. God, help us to acknowledge this, acknowledge that all things come from you. And because of this, we can then look to you again and declare that you alone are God. You alone deserve all the highest praise. So God, help us to just start this new year well. And start with a heart of thanksgiving as you prepare us for the things to come in this year. So even as we gather this afternoon, we just want to sing praises to you again. Just to crown you the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. For God, you alone deserve all glory, honour and praise. So help us to do just just that um, on our own individually as we play, as we sing. And even as we help to lead the congregation in time of worship. God, may your name be praised. May May your name be lifted up. We thank you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so, yeah, so one, two, three. Then I'll share something. Then we change key, we go to four, five, six. Uh, Eunice, can you help me to sing? Uh?
Six, uh, can play an intro no, uh. so we will hold I may say something is it like
up and got successes like diamonds in